Welcome back, everyone. Tennessee Wildcast. Good to have you here. Jason Harmon right over here. Hit the button, Jason, so they can uh, see. There you go. There's hey, Jason. Doug. How's it going? How are you? Doing great. Mike Jolly's back with us this week representing Region 3 as a turkey biologist this week. <laughs> oh, no. Mike. He's a fish <laughs> biologist, but we're going to tur- talk, tur- talk turkey in just a minute. Oh, and yeah. And then we're going to talk some more fishing. Todd Mazoris is behind us running our graphics and stuff. And thank you, Todd, as always. And it's always fun to do the show. Here we are again. A week has passed. Turkey season carries on. Hunter's still doing good. I don't have the harvest numbers right in front of me, but they continue to do well across the state on their way to having a good season, I think. Still working on my turkey. Are you? Nothing between now and last week, huh? (laughs) No. (laughs) Mike, I bet you haven't either. No, I haven't. I haven't. Got to get out there and do a little bit more of it. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Well, Mike was on last week. Mike is a a reservoir biologist for the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. And in a minute, we're going to get you to do a little calling because your passion is also turkey hunting. Sure, absolutely. Mike, so we want to do it. Let let us do a few announcements, and then we'll get with that. And then we're also going to go to Dale Hollow today. Talk about some fish over there. We're going to go back to Chickamauga and not necessarily talk about bass, though we might mention it again. I'm going to talk about those crappie over sure, there absolutely. that so many people are catching in those shell cracker and bluegill on that lake that, that I know is so good. All right. First of all, though, let's say, uh, let's say congratulations to some folks. Let's make sure that our newest commissioner is congratulated, our newest chairman, I should say. His name is Harold Cannon, and Commissioner Cannon, we want to get him on here sometime and find out what commissioners do and what he wants to do during his leadership year. He's in here for a year from Knoxville, Tennessee. I believe he's an engineer over there. Yes. And a passionate outdoorsman, and congratulations to him. He just recently started his first one-year term with us, okay? I also want to say congratulations to a bunch of kids. We got some kids that really did well. We just recently ended another year of the National Archery in the Schools program. Almost 2,000 kids participated in this uh, event and there's all kinds of winners. You can go to our website, which is tnwildlife.org. Go to the newsroom, and in there you'll see a long story on all the winners. But Central Magnet High School and Central Magnet Middle School were team winners this year. They won their divisions. There's a good coach over there somewhere. Mm-hmm. and they, they took both of those. And then Christiana Elementary won the younger uh, competition over there that ended here a month or so ago or a few weeks ago. And I just wanted to get on there and just say thanks to all these kids and what a great job you did. And and also to Don Crawford and everybody. Don works at TWRA and all the folks that worked with Don to put this thing together because it's a massive event now. You've been to some of them. It takes a lot of people to make sure it happens, and the officers are always out there volunteering, scoring, and all officers, that kind of stuff. Officers, biologists, technicians, you name it. If we got folks working for TWRA, they go out there, and it's held at the, the championships held every year at Miller Coliseum in Murfreesboro, which is in Middle Tennessee, but they do a lot of competing across the state before that gets there. I also want to say congratulations to Leith Conondike. He's an officer in in uh, Lincoln County, and Leith has been congratulated about 20 times, I think, this <laughs> year. He's Officer of the Year for the NWTF, National Turkey Federation, Southeastern Officer of the Year, which is that's 15 states times all the officers in those yeah. states. And then recently the, uh, the legislature, the Tennessee General Assembly, honored him for every they honored him for all the honors that he'd gotten he went down there and actually met them and got his photograph taken he's over in lincoln county and he does a great job and one of the reasons that leith gets so just gets so recognized is because all the youth programs he does he spends a lot of time on youth programs just just a great officer down there and finally i want to show the the harman and harman team here yeah just as a way of reminding this is who's this this is my son tucker yeah and uh, we went fishing a week ago or two weeks ago and and uh, 
he hadn't been a whole lot, uh, but like the third cast, he'd been getting getting the hang of it. So we stopped at this little creek. Th- third cast, I turned around, he's reeling this thing in. So <laughs> it was so about good. you know six eight inches. Yeah. It's it pretty good. Might have been state record there. <laughs> no, there yeah. you go. There That's you go. a nice picture for sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we want to remind good everyone. Good looking kid too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> it looks like his mama. Uh, what? <laughs> want to remind everyone to get this is people are still buying licenses. If you're going to get a license for those toddlers. Right now, get that that license for that lifetime for kids that are three and under, under three, toddlers, mm-hmm. babies, two hundred dollars, best gift yeah. in all of Tennessee. Absolutely, and it may not always be here. It right. may not be one of those things that the agency keeps around forever. So if you have a toddler under three, best gift you can buy, two hundred right. bucks, rest of their life they can hunt in Tennessee, fish in Tennessee. If they leave and come back, license is good when they come back. And let's show the other side of the Harmon Harmon here. Yeah, this is this is a good one here too. Yeah. All right. This is a reminder to get out there and, and do a little shed collecting. Uh, this is your turkey hunt. Now this is a, a massive shed. As somebody said on Facebook, he shed his skull, his whole skull. But <laughs> we think this one might have been hit on the road or something. Yeah. Ran off and died. Uh, the yeah, they don't usually shed like this. They they shed their antlers, and it's a good time of the year. To get out there while you're turkey hunting, while you're turkey scouting and fine antlers that fall off and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of fun kind of like a big old easter egg hunt for adults get out there before you do the, it mike I, some i do yeah, yeah i'm I, always looking you yeah know. get out there before the squirrels get a hold of them yeah. you know no he doesn't what'd you do with that thing it's sitting in our office here oh okay. we'll use Back it as a little somewhere. prop yeah okay all right good deal well <laughs> all right now mike let's get let's go ahead and get with you uh let's talk turkey before we talk sure fishing. last week you were on talking about chigamaga and those great big bass over there and and how great that lake is and at the very end, I got you to talk about turkeys, which wasn't enough because you'd probably rather talk turkeys. Than you <laughs> you love turkeys. I'm passionate about it. You <laughs> are. You are passionate about it. And the season goes until May 15th, I think, this year. So we got a long way yeah. to go. You like the later part of the year? Yeah, I really do. It uh, seems to be more conducive for uh, calling and stuff. You know, a lot of the hens are already bred by then, and uh, the gobblers still active out there looking around. So if you have, uh, you're not competing with a a big harem of of hens that he has with him at that time. So you you like the pressure time of the year, and you say there's more calling, and you brought a call. I almost would have thought it would be just the opposite. I'm not a turkey hunter. talked to a lot uh-huh. of them through the years, but you say call more sometimes instead of less. The pressure hasn't hasn't changed. Is it because they're having a hard time finding a yeah, girlfriend? It's, it's really per situation you know of course uh, a lot of times if you're in an area that has uh, other hunting pressure you know calling too much a lot of times is absolutely the worst thing you can do i see and and i tell you it's uh, once you get that answer from that gobbler he knows where you're at uh and a lot of times he's committed unless he's got hens or something with him that could change it and it's just each situation dictates you know kind of what you have to do after that okay and I guess in a situation, if you have, say, private property you can go to where they're not pressured, but they have, they already have found them a bunch of girlfriends, right? and then they're just looking for that one more, that's when you really do a calling. Is that what you're yes. saying? To yeah, you? you may have to compete with those hens. Uh, another thing that happens, too, is that you may call the hens in, and then he follows the hens uh-huh. in. Yeah, so. That's all the part uh, of the fun. Isn't yeah, it? And, then, and then another thing that always gets me torqued up pretty good is when I'm calling and he's coming to me and a hen blows by me trying to get to him and you have to take your hat or something and turn them around so they don't cut you off. Oh, that's you great. Know? Yeah. That's fun. Your uh, dad makes calls. He does. And you brought, what's your dad's name? Wendell Jolly. Where does Mr. Jolly live? Spring City, Tennessee. Spring and City. lived in Ray County there all his life right there at Watts Bar Reservoir and uh a very great uh, outdoorsman and woodsman, and uh, in his retirement, he kind of taken up 
uh, making some turkey calls, and he sold these things uh, all over the nation. He gets a lot of pictures here in the last few days of people with great success with his calls, and it's just been a good gratification for he. And uh, it's a call I love. He makes it out of a lot of different kinds of wood. And I brought one here today out of cedar. I was just going to uh, show and show it, show it for it. us. So Let's see what you got there. It's real simple. It's uh, he calls it the Jolly Scratch Tube, and it's lifted uh, a little bit more. Basically, uh, there you go. You just uh, strike it down. So it's a really uh, simple call to use. Uh, and uh, he, he makes it out of a lot of different kinds of wood. He he doesn't have a website. He's uh, he, but he does have a YouTube video of an instructional way to do it. He goes a lot of. If somebody uh, wanted to look at it, I know sure. he's not make, looking to make a ton of money no. off of us. Yeah. We just love it because he's your dad and and uh, how much you love turkey hunting. Sure. Where would they find that on YouTube? Can they find it under his? Yeah, name? under the Jolly Scratch Tube, and that's J O L L E Y. Make sure that E's uh, in there. Yeah, make yeah. sure that's an E Y. Uh, and then his phone number is uh, 423-365-5462. So. Okay. All right. And show all of it. Uh, Jason, you might be better holding it right yeah, there. Show all the pieces of that thing. And he, what does he call it again? It's the Jolly Scratch Tube. So it's uh, it's got the little striker there. And uh, like I said, that's out of the cedar wood. They're each handmade. He's got a, a considerable amount of time in those. And uh, I think he only sells them for about $30 each, yeah, he's so not it's not there. a money-making He's in there having adventure. fun is what he's it doing. Sound, it sounds great. He's Thank you. He's making a lot of friends, and uh, we've killed a lot of birds with those, and so have a lot of other people across the nation. It's it's really kind of neat. Hey, are you a strict Tennessee hunter yourself? Pretty much up so. Up on the plateau the whole time? Yeah, not a lot on the plateau. A lot around the right, a lot around the valley more. Okay. Some middle Tennessee, Giles County, uh, used to go there quite a bit. Uh, a lot of birds, <laughs> populous, you know, down there, so... Um, and that's but, uh, that's some stomping grounds. I was down there before I started at the agency when they were stocking in Giles County, and Jim Potts was the wildlife officer down there and was instrumental yeah. in getting those birds. Well, you know, that's a good point, Doug. You know, this the, the turkey that you and I can enjoy today is a great success story of TWRA. It know? is. For sure it is, and, and I think most folks like it these days yeah. if they have the birds. Yeah. I know you do if you're a sportsman. Yeah. All right, Mike, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's go back to the water. Okay, you good. are a reservoir biologist over in Crossville, Region 3, and you've been there how long? 23 years. And have you been in reservoir biology the entire time that you I have. Been? I've worked with the reservoir crew. I started out part-time, actually, and uh, uh, worked, worked my way up to uh, where I'm at now. So I've been in a lot of different areas within the crew, but I've always been in the reservoir crew. Okay. Uh, so I've worked with a lot of great people through and the years. I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curve here because we didn't talk about this before the show started, but it's it's becoming a musky part of the world. And yes. Do you work with musky much or do you work with the guys who work with well, musky? Well, typically our, our streams crew have really done a, a just an awesome job with the musky program and uh, on the plateau and stocking them up, uh, you know, in Collins River and different places there. And uh, they're really having some uh, national attention you know, with, with what they've done with the Muskie program. Muskie, as far as uh, my management, they've been in Del Hollis since the 50s, and they continue to be there. And it's really a great mystery uh, kind of to where they spawn and, and how uh, successful they are. But they have remained uh, a remained presence there throughout the, all these years. Uh, you know, and they do show up in the Emory River uh, some down next to the reservoir at Watts Bar. So we see them some in our, our data collections. Mm -hmm. 
and we always collect them and get information but really have hats off to the streams crew on what they've been able to do with the muskie program uh, it's exciting another collins river over in that part of the world is yes. it what's the collins and the caney and the is it calf killer calf killer uh-huh. all have so, muskie in them pretty sure okay anyway they sort of converged some of them over there and i remember fishing that area a few years ago and seeing three missile like things <laughs> yeah. swimming together and i yes. knew what they were i there mean was, it's really unreal they were they've... they were cool but people are coming from all over the country to fish. They they really are. We were at now. the uh, Blue Hole uh, at the Caney up in the upper end of Center Hill collecting some walleye brood the other day and able to collect, I think, five uh, muskie there of considerable size. God, and the streams guy really? were, were there to take the information off of them and able to pit tag them, which actually puts a little tag like people are getting put in their pits now. You know, if they get lost oh, yeah. and they take the, the wand. Yeah. yeah, so if we get them next year, they can take that wand and go over that fish and it'll – tell all about the age or uh, that's cool. estimated age and the lengths and the waste that was collected last year and they can compare it to how much it's grown in a year's time and different unlike, things. and unlike some fish I'm, the striper's not native to tennessee but the muskie is right correct? they're native okay especially yes. to your part of the world especially right? there over yes. there all right they've and, been moved around a little bit but they are right. native yeah okay good fish to think about in, in your repertoire of fishing if you're going to go sometime a muskie is something you ought to add in and you mentioned it too walleye you guys got walleye center hill lake and yeah. and and blue hole you're talking about yes. full of walleye really good we've seen a lot of good walleye. a lot of fishermen were there del hollow uh, yeah. del hollow really good uh was out uh working on del hollow a couple of weeks ago and the guys were talking about at night all of the big walleye they were seeing on the lower end of the reservoir uh down there you know doing their spawning thing and around the banks and, yeah <laughs> and uh, we're, we stock a lot of walleye you know uh, our hatchery system does a great job you know, of, of raising walleye fingerlings and stock them in a different reservoirs. We started supplementing walleye instead of our sauger a few years ago on Watts Bar. Now we've implemented that further down the Tennessee River and the Chickamauga and different places. And, man, they have been catching them this year like crazy. Uh, that drives me crazy because they haven't been <laughs> out. So where is Watts Bar? What is Watts Bar the nearest to when you mention? As as far as town, I mean, it's located uh, between Fort Loudon on the upper end, Chickamauga on the bottom end as far as the Tennessee River goes. Uh, as, as far as the biggest town would probably be Rockwood, okay. uh, Kingston area on the kind of the upper end of Watts Bar, and on the lower end would be Spring City. Uh, near Watts Bar Nuclear Plant. All right. Would you consider Tennessee now, for a long time, I did not consider Tennessee a walleye state, even though we have the state, we have the world record that right. came from Old Hickory Lake, 25 pounds, when 25. Old Hickory Lake was a lot different than it yeah, is now. Sure. It wasn't Old Hickory Lake, or not like it is now, no. anyway. It, it may have been impounded, but it was early impoundment. Early impoundment. Early impoundment. And, and for a long time, I didn't really consider us a, a walleye lake because of all the dams. Was I wrong about that? Have we? I mean, state. Have we always been a walleye state? Yeah, I mean, they are native here. Uh, I think that the uh, the construction of the dams put a great limitation on what they could do naturally for their spawn. Um, so, and the same with sauger. You know, sauger even more so, even more delicate to raise uh, in a hatchery system, and also just on their own, they're shorter lived than walleye. Uh, so when we started looking. At walleye, of course, being native and a close cousin to a sauger, it was an it was an easy jump to say let's do walleye. The hatcheries like the idea because they're easier to propagate in the hatchery system, but they live longer. They offer more year-round fishing. The walleye do. Uh, so hopefully, uh, we'll see a lot of natural reproduction with a walleye well, by stocking these fish in there, and, and uh, maybe won't have to augment it as much in the future. Get, they get big. I mean, they these, do get these big. fish are getting big yeah. and uh, Fast. really trophy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing 
them grow. Yeah, me Getting too. out after them. Finding some people who know how to catch them and show me how. <laughs> All right. We talked last week about Chickamauga, too. That's where the bass fishing is so great. Over your part of the world, Chattanooga, I guess, would be the closest city yes. over there. And done so well with fish like this. Talked to Excess last week about, well, you never yeah. talked to Excess, but we talked a lot about them last week. Let's talk about something else. And we may not have photographs of them this week, but crappie. This is sure. Chickamauga is a heck of a crappie lake, right? It really right? is. This has really been a banner year uh, for crappie fishing on Chickamauga. And it's just, uh, we, we do trap net surveys in the fall of mm-hmm. the year on our Tennessee reservoirs, looking at the success of the crappie spawn. And we see great consistency in the black crappie uh, on Chickamauga, which is what most people catch down there versus the white crappie. Uh, but this year is just by all accounts and reports of the fishermen, uh, we went out. Uh, just about a week and a half ago to do a crappie survey and we collected almost 400 just in about uh, two boats about 200 yards respectively of bank and got almost 400 crappie uh in two different creeks so are we talking pretty good size crappie? yes good size all i mean uh really from uh several six and eight inch but a lot of keeper 10 inch plus size yeah yeah so chickamauga best in your part of the world, the region three, the plateau in the valley out there, is that the best crappie lake you got? For Yes, for right now, I think. But, you know, crappie are so cyclic that right. they could really change. But, you know, Dale Hollow and Center Hill, uh, which we've stocked black-nosed crappie in there for, for many years now, really have some great-sized fish. They're different to catch. A they lot sure of times they inhabit deeper water. Uh, but have had some great pictures from – uh, Danny, the krill clerk up there, have some really nice crappie Danny catches. Danny Stone. Danny Stone. Yeah. Yep. yep. I, I run across Danny from time yep. to time. I always enjoy talking yeah, to Yeah, he's a great outdoorsman. He, he is for sure. Yeah. He's outstanding. Yeah. So these fish run a little deeper. And if I recall, Center Hill for black nose, black crappie, that was the first place in the state to get them, wasn't it? it, it sort of. Uh, they tried it at Watts Bar for about a year. Okay. Uh, and really couldn't get enough crappie to do the fish per acre for that reservoir that size, you know, Watts Bar being about 39,000 acres. Uh, so Center Hill was in great need there because of those steep banks and stuff. It's really hard to get a crappie reproduction off on a consistent basis. So Anders Murr, my predecessor, uh, uh, was really kind of laughed out of the room when he talked about stocking crappie at the time and did it. And that's really been the flagship for crappie stocking across the state of Tennessee and beyond. It has now. been. Uh, and, and I forget about Watts Bar because I think of Center Hill as being the key to the rest But it really so was. Center Hill was. You were, you were absolutely correct. Center Hill really was the key because of the success there. Uh, then we implemented it to Dell Hall and beyond. And am I, are there any white crappie? Does the agency even do white crappie anymore? Do we concentrate solely on the black-nosed black crappie? Yes, for our hatchery system, it's it's the black or black-nosed crappie, which is the same fish. You know, the black-nosed crappie, I guess it would be a good time to point that out, too. I see a lot of confusion with people in the public, but a black-nosed crappie is just a black crappie with a black genetic stripe, you know, down its nose there. Uh, But the white crappie have really, through trial and error with uh, Tennessee back in the day and other states, are really a lot harder to uh, raise in our hatchery systems. Uh, So black crappie are not as hard to raise, and they do really well in the hatchery systems, and they do well in the reservoirs. Now, back in the day when um, Watts Bar really seen great numbers of crappie, it was those white crappie that were getting off those great spawns. And in the early 80s, when you didn't have size limits and stuff, people would come from all over in Kentucky and Ohio and fish Watts Bar, and there was an estimated harvest 
in the early 80s of 650,000-plus crappie that year. Oh, so people were just yeah. filling coolers full. So, you know, then came the 10-inch the size limit and a 30-per-day krill down to 15, you know, per person per kind day of spreads, That's To spread it out to other anglers sure. as much as anything. And right. it, and it's, so we all can catch some of those yes. fish. And it was well-received, and people like it. Anders uh, Murr was, uh, to me, a good biologist. Absolutely. He stuck by his guns because he, he, yes. he also, not only did he do the crappie, and I'm sure he, he also was instrumental, if I recall, in the, in the first size limit we put on Del Hall, smallmouth, and stood by it. Stood by it. 1992 uh, implemented the 18-inch uh, minimum size limit on Del Hollow, which was met uh, with some skepticism. They didn't laugh. They were mad. <laughs> they were mad. <laughs> and worked with that even before it got implemented in 92. It was brought up two or three years prior to that yeah. and kind of worked and educated the people. And uh, once they seen the benefit of what that 18-inch did over time, they loved it. Yeah, right. Uh, and exactly then, of course, right. in the year 2000, it went to the slot limit, uh, which is there now. Which 15 to 20? 16 to 21. Thank you, 16 yeah. to 21. Sorry. Yeah. 16 and, to 21. Yeah. Read your guide anytime. Okay, sixteen <laughs> yeah, right. to twenty-one. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So and he how was, are people liking that? Yeah. They they really like it. Uh, we've uh, you know getting a lot of feedback from the public and and just seeing what they're catching. You know, as I was talking about last week, the the four gentlemen that are catching fifty and sixty smallmouth bass a day. Uh, and when I'm out there, I see people that have been coming for twenty-five and thirty years every year, spending great amount of money to stay a week or two at Del Hollow from other states. Uh, because of the smallmouth bass fishing there you know they could go anywhere for the for the distance they're driving mm -hmm. they could go to some of the lake Erie's or canada or wherever probably but they come to del hall and they've been doing it for years and you know they consistently really talk about how they love um, the slot limit and the management you know how it's done there and just the largemouth bass fishing at del hall it's even been unreal the last few years you know and so uh, crappie, walleye, it's, it's, it's just a really neat place. I always refer to Del Hall as the big fish, the big fish, big lake, or the, yeah. big, the big fish lake. That's because fair. It, mm -hmm. If you catch a, a, a bluegill out of there, it's going to be big. A shellcracker's big, a crappie's yeah, big. That's true. They're all big. Smallmouth are big. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that reservoir, yeah. but it just seems to carry big fish. And typically, with Del Hall being a clear reservoir, which signals a less nutrient-rich reservoir. You don't typically see that right there, but it's just a, you know, there's a good balance there. Uh, obviously, there's enough forage for what they need mm -hmm. uh, and habitat, but there's some real giant, yeah, like you said, even the shellcrackers up there. Be, I and love the shellcracker fishing up there, both of them. <laughs> if I can find them, not every year can I find them, but when I yeah. do, boy, it sure is a pleasure to yes, find them it on is. that lake. And there's an LY in that lake, good or bad? Well, so the thought was with the agency years ago by putting those in there that it was going to create a forage base that was more sustainable through the winter months where the and Del Hollow experienced a lot of uh, shad kills in the winters up there with threadfin shad and we would go and try to restock the threadfin shad uh, so one thing that we can't deny is with the introduction of alewife the walleye population or their spawning success decreased so there's an interaction there and there's been some different studies uh, but there's an interaction there uh, predation on the eggs or the young or whatever from the alewife to the walleye that has really not been good and goes back to what we were talking about uh, last week about the florida largemouth and not putting them everywhere because a lot of times what you think is going to be good over time is not so you're always better now to proceed with caution you know as you introduce things to these reservoirs in different places and and uh, 
so you can see that the outcomes will not be a negative experience, hopefully. All right. We're not very but, many. But, but now, Doug, <clears throat> in, the, in the short term, they are providing a lot of forage they for do. the fish in there. There's no doubt about uh, it. Caught a lot of smallmouth on them. Yeah. Get, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a special way of catching them at yeah. nighttime. The guys over there do. And I've yeah, been so really the only negative would be the influence they've had on our walleye. On walleye. Okay. Yeah. And you've worked around that with another – With stocking every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, one other lake, Center Hill. Center Hill. Center Hill Lake. I want to go there this year. Also, it's it's a little closer to where I live. Yeah. I want to go over there and catch bluegill and shellcracker. Is it good for either? It well, shellcracker for sure. We see some giants there electrofishing. Uh, bluegill's kind of off and on there, uh, you know. And it's uh, but but I mean, it would be trying to compare it to a Tennessee reservoir wouldn't be fair, of course. But uh, for what it is, I think it would would be a would be a decent trip for bluegill. I don't I don't see a lot of people making it their destination to go to Center Hill for bluegill, but for the red ear, uh, you do see several nice ones caught there. Okay, well that's yeah. that's kind of what I want to go looking for. Maybe I can help you out. We're going to be there in the next few days, hopefully doing some electric fishing for smallmouth. So well, you can you can always <laughs> send me a text. I'd be glad to have it. Hey, Jason. Speaking of things like text and Facebook and tag board, show them what you're going to show them. Yeah, um, just was looking on our Twitter page here a few minutes ago, and and uh, Brad Carson sent in this photo or tweeted this photo here. I don't know if y'all can see that. Anyway, nice large nice mouth. Fish. And um, if you want to send photos to our tag board, you can hashtag those photos when you post on Twitter or post on your Facebook. Hashtag T and Wildlife, and that'll go to our tag board, and you can. So any, the, anytime you post a photo on Twitter or Facebook or five or six other, yeah, there's some other Instagram platforms. Instagram and all that. Stuff. Yeah. All right. When you call it a hashtag for those, not for what is that? It's the number symbol. Okay. Uh, you know, up like on the top row of your keyboard, yeah. hit that function number symbol or shift, whatever it is. Get the number symbol in front of T and Wildlife. That'll push it to our tag board, and 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 that's sort of how all the outdoor community can communicate and put it all on one in one place and see it all in one place and see what everybody's doing. So. Yeah, and that's the idea. We want sportsmen coming in, sharing their photographs, and or right. whatever yeah. boaters want to come in there and. Share I mean, their you stuff. know, pictures of sunrise or out just being outdoors, just shots yeah. of outdoors people enjoying enjoying Tennessee wildlife. So tag board. Tag board, yeah. All right, and it's out there, and that's also we're trying to revamp our our website some. And if you go to the top of our website, we got a banner that slides across now with five or six different things on there. Tag board is one of them that you can find. Yeah, and and the director's message is right there on our slider. The, you can watch this show on the slider uh, hopefully you're watching this show yeah hopefully slider. that's Maybe. where you're at right now but you know it's uh it's it's a great tool to get stuff in your face and show you what we're doing we're not just out riding tickets we're doing all kinds of good stuff for for the sportsmen of oh, tennessee yeah. yeah we had a conversation before this show started about the many things that this agency does mike and you work with a lot of great folks that are krill clerks right technicians yes. uh, fisheries technicians you know, your fisheries biologists that go out there, these guys and gals, they're out there. They're not out there to to do enforcement. They're out there to check on the resource, right? Just Absolutely. Just checking on that 24-7 almost. Right. It's, it's really a group effort, and we've got so many strengths with different people and what they all bring to the table, you know, all the all the people that you just described. And it's uh, it's really been great working with such a great group, you know, as the crew, the reservoir crew that I have talked about the streams crew as well and feel that way about the whole agency. Uh, you know, a lot of people that are passionate about what mm-hmm. they do. Uh, it's, it's really exciting to see uh, anglers and hunters and, uh, you know, bird watchers or whatever really enjoying the resource 
you know, that we manage. Of course, that would be fisheries for me, but uh, it, it is very rewarding. I, I know we think always think of uh, officers are the ones that, that I think most people see in the field from the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. But I've always thought the other person that they see the most are our krill clerks. And yeah. I think our krill clerks are critical to our public relations efforts with the fishermen out there. What is a krill clerk, Mike? A krill clerk is um, a guy or a lady that goes out and they actually interview fishermen. It's actually the ones we do are called roving krill surveys. So they do it by boat unless the weather prevents that. And then they, you know, go to some different locations. Uh, but they approach each fisherman, uh, identify themselves and that they're conducting an angler survey and ask them a series of questions about their catch, uh, some socioeconomics, uh, where they're from, different things. It really gives us a good picture of the uh, anglers out there. Uh, in Region 3, we've been doing an angler attitude survey uh, since 2013 where we really ask them about how they feel about our management practices and recommendations. It's also a good time to uh, give the Creel clerk information about our stocking programs and different things that they can share with the public. Uh, but they are they are an absolute face out there on the reservoirs they're not on every reservoir um you know as we kind of an as needed basis there but but they are a face of the agency for sure okay and the information helps you a lot and absolutely that, we, that attitude thing are they liking us yeah they do great a great amount of approval on our reservoirs that we look at well, really high i know i appreciate their work they work hard they're out there a lot they're great and uh, they're out there to get fish information from them and even if you're a tournament person Give them 60 Please. seconds or a minute. Absolutely. You're only helping yourself. That's right, Mike? exactly right. All right, Mike, thank you for your great thank work. Thank you, Doug. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, Both Mike. shows. Jason? Yeah, you can find us uh, on tmwildcast.com. You can watch or listen right there. Uh, watch us in the slider. And uh, make sure you check out our Facebook and our Twitter. And, and uh, keep watching. Keep coming back. Well, it's all about trying to get you all in there working with us. All right. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Mike. We'll be back next week. We're always there. See you, everyone.